A uh, quick, also a uh, vague question for you guys: Have y'all ever had anyone cut, like anyone come on and reboot, like pitch a reboot of anything wrestling related? No, I don't think so. Okay, not yet. Have an idea for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the entire concept of wrestling. No, just one storyline. <laughs> Because if you do more than that, you're just fantasy booking at that point. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have done that. It's true. I mean, I fantasy book all the fucking time. I'm a, I am I watch WWE and I'm unsatisfied with the product I pay them for. So, <laughs> like every other fucking fan of WWE. <laughs> Tuning in to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching podcast where we watch Steven Universe. My name is Brian. You can find me on the internet at RoomwarePod, and you can find this podcast on the internet at Gay Space Pod. With me, as always, is my co my articulated co-host, uh, August. Why didn't you go to vaccinated co-host? Because that explains everything about what's about to happen with me. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, hello. Yes, I'm August. I got my second COVID vaccine, so I'm kind of dead right now. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora, uh, and my pronouns are they, them. And with us this week, from Not If I Reboot You First, uh, are Tanner and Lindsay. I don't know what order you guys want to go in, so introduce yourself. <laughs> go for it. Uh, hi, I'm Lindsay. I use she, her pronouns. <laughs> I'm Tanner, they, them. Where can we find you? Yeah. Oh, um, well, the I can be found on Twitter at SparkyUpstart. And I can be found on Twitter at LindsayM476. That's Lindsay spelled with an A. I say that because there's about nine different ways to spell my name. <laughs> this is very true. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into the other stuff we're involved with at the end of the show, but specifically today, we're here promoting our podcast that you guys were just on today. Oh, I should tweet about that episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, we are part of a podcast, well, we are the podcast, called Not If I Reboot You First, which is a podcast where we take our favorite properties and reboot them before Hollywood has the chance to. So it's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. And y'all were just on it. (laughs) <laughs> we were this is our first sort of cultural ex- podcast cultural exchange for gay space rocks we did it we're like we were we were like the exchange students at your house and now you've come to visit our uh, our area uh of of very loose uh very poorly constructed podcast land <laughs> <laughs> the potosphere grows once again every time we guest on a podcast we add a new friendship stone to our podcast gauntlet <laughs> soon you're gonna throw a moon at robert downey jr and all will be right in the world yeah i mean we don't need to be guessing on podcasts to do that we just do that for fun <laughs> uh so uh tanner and Lindsay, have y'all watched any cartoons as of late so you mentioned before that your definition of cartoon is very broad. Yeah, it's basically uh, media. Uh, <laughs> books count as <laughs> cartoons here. 
Well, okay, well, I definitely haven't read any books, um, <laughs> despite all the bookshelves that I have set up behind me. I watched America's favorite live-action cartoon, Power Rangers, over the weekend. Mm. Ooh. A new it's one good. or one of the older ones? The new one, the current one, Dino Fury. Their new episode was yesterday, and they've got lore. Oh, God. Ooh. Ooh. So what's, hey, what's the deal with Dino Fury? I don't know anything about Dino Fury. Okay, so 65 million years ago, the Zerg attacked an alien planet and almost destroyed it, and then they came to Earth. So the last survivors of that planet traveled to Earth and fought alongside dinosaurs against... Okay, they're not the Zerg, but they're basically the Zerg. They're called the Sporex, and they fought the Sporex. And then the Morphin Masters came from outside of time and space, and they said, hey, y'all are pretty cool. We're going to turn you into Power Rangers. And they did that. The, the but dinosaurs? The Power Rangers, no, well... They turned the dinosaurs into statues, and then their souls merged with the aliens to become the Power Rangers. Okay. And then all the aliens died anyways, except for one, who was put in stasis alongside his cyborg dinosaur mom. And now in present day, the powers have been rediscovered, and they've recruited. Uh, he has recruited four other teens to become the Power Rangers alongside him, and they have to fight against Void Knight, who is a very interesting villain, because he... So usually when Power Rangers, especially lately, the villains are just a whole fleet of space aliens who show up and they say, it's, hey, look, it's Earth, let's take it over. But we don't actually know Void Knight's deal, because he shows up with no minions, no henchmen, no generals or anything, and he's like, ah, I found the Sporex eggs, I'm going to use these as my monsters because I don't have anything, and I'm going to steal your robots because I don't have any henchmen of my own either. And, and now I'll also, spoilers, but apparently he's also Mr. Freeze. In huh. the sense that he can freeze people, or in the sense that he's like, like a Shakespearean tragic bad guy. Uh, the latter, and then also in the sense that he literally has his love frozen in ice and is trying to save her. Okay, that could be interesting. This seems more like it seems it's it feels like a more inter like an a, an interesting because like they're always trying to. Every now and then they just go back to the original well. They're like, we're going to riff on the original Power Rangers idea. Um, it feels like. And I mean, this feels honestly, like a much they, more. They spent kind of like six years doing that because. Did they? After, I, I have fallen well out of the Power Rangers, like the Power Rangers loop in a lot for, for a hot minute. I think the last one I watched was was the, the Wizards. Oh, Mystic Force is really good. Yeah. Um, but no, so like after. Disney sold the rights to Power Ranger for Power Rangers back to Saban. Mm -hmm. uh, they basically spent the next three, even four, you could argue, seasons trying to recapture the magic of Mighty Morphin. So the first time they did it, they just had a whole bunch of callbacks to Mighty Morphin because it was a samurai-themed show, but they also brought Bulk, and they couldn't get Skull, but they had Skull's nephew on there, and they How just did antics. How could you not get Skull? Like, like he's a real actor. What is he doing? <laughs> I don't know, but he's apparently he's a more real actor than everyone else, and so he couldn't make a commitment of more than one episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Samurai was just a bunch of callbacks, and then Megaforce tried to cash in on nostalgia for past seasons, but they couldn't actually afford to bring other rangers back except for the finale, so it's all just a whole bunch of people we don't care about saying, hey, remember when Power Rangers did this? Anyways... Um, and then they skipped a Sentai season so that they could do Dino Charge because they wanted to get the dinosaur themes back. And Dino Charge was actually good, but everyone knew that they did a dinosaur season because they wanted to recapture that Mighty Morphin spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, and then after that, they did Ninja Steel, and they attempted to capture the Mighty Morphin spirit by just having characters with no personality. 
<laughs> Realistically, the most, the most, the purest form of Power Rangers. Pretty much, yeah. But no, Dino Fury is good. It's it's only up eight episodes in, but they're already playing with a lot of like expected stuff for Power Rangers and like making characters that you care about. Um, there's like genuine talent behind the camera. It seems like the current showrunner is Simon Bennett, who's like a major player in the New Zealand television scene. Oh, nice. That's yeah, an upgrade. Good. Yeah, um, I am not surprised at all that Haim Saban got the got the or the Saban Corporation got the rights back to the Power Rangers and immediately just went back to the well until the well was poisoned. Yeah, like, and and <laughs> then they and then they sold it off to Hasbro. Yep. So Hasbro has a very hit or miss record, but they they sometimes make interesting things. So. Yeah. Um, and then the other media I've been consuming, well, okay, so earlier this week was 413, which mm-hmm. is Homestuck Day, and Sarah Zen <laughs> August, put out- no. the- August has got their tinfoil Homestuck hat on firmly. <laughs> um, you, you may or may not know that uh, YouTube personality Sarah Zed put out a two-hour video on like the history of Homestuck and Homestuck fandom, and she she made some salient points, but I also feel like she could have been nicer to some of the post-canon stuff, because uh, I was also looking at other people's reactions. Um, there's It does seem to be a very tangled web behind the scenes, but mainly I've just been getting very nostalgic for Homestuck. Um, and between this and Steven Universe, I just woke up every day for like the past week trying to project myself back into 2011. <laughs> <laughs> I found out that the Homestuck panel I was once part of is actually fully recorded and uploaded onto YouTube, so at some point I can go watch that uh, two and a half hours. Oh, nice. That's cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Uh, That's Lindsay, the only media I've consumed. What have you been watching? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. <laughs> I was just saying that I was done. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going through my YouTube watch history because I don't watch a whole lot of stuff. It's mostly like educational stuff. Oh God, and music videos. Um, I've fallen down That's a fair. whole. I mean, we count we count YouTube crime dramas <laughs> as cartoons here. So. I've fallen down this hole of um a lot of um historical and retro vintage YouTubers. Um, oh, nice. Mostly talking about like what film and TV stuff got right, what got wrong, uh, clearing up historical misunderstandings. Like, um, corsets weren't that bad, y'all. They're kind of like bras. They're not that bad as a historical reenactor. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they could, like, they could be bad if you're just like, if you wear them wrong, like, yeah, and you don't get the proper fit. Yeah, like, that's the big you know, thing is getting like the proper any sort fit. of clothing, really. Like, but yeah, I've been doing that. Um, the closest, like, they come to talking about cartoons was uh, this one YouTuber was doing like uh, redesigns of uh, cartoon characters' outfits if there was a modern adaptation. Because the uh, gritty adaptations costume costuming departments are terrible, just all bad black leather. Yeah, so a lot more Gucci involved. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yes. So yeah, that's what I've been doing and watching old movies on Netflix because I like old movies. Uh, man, you guys gotta. Speaking of old movies, I don't know if you all listen to a, a 
pod, there's a podcast called the podcast minds where, uh, uh, where two people basically take like pitches for podcasts. And I feel like they called you guys out because <laughs> Riley was just going off about rebooting everything before the year 2000. <laughs> there was an episode where they basically described the premise of not if I reboot you first. Yeah. <laughs> and- Mm-hmm. And we mentioned that, and uh, they had argued that now they legally own us, so, hey. I, <laughs> they do, yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or somehow Jeff Stormer owns you, I don't know exactly, like, I don't know who owns the episode that mentions you, but I know that we own <laughs> at least, like, uh, the the room where it happened owns a number of Podcast Mind episodes, I paid for them, I paid the money. Oh, that's so. right. We've actually, we've been <laughs> considering doing that too, we just have to figure out a charity. Yeah, it's very it's a very cute idea. Uh, August, what have you been watching? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, mostly, uh, mostly consuming YouTube videos. But um, we've been keeping up with Captain America and the Winter Soldier, or not Captain America, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I just I mean, want him to, to be, be Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you and, watch this week's uh, episode? Yes, I continue to be disappointed with the show's writing of the main character because basically they're just committing character assassination because they know that her motivations are actually really sympathetic. And so they can't. Oh, when you said like, the main character, I thought you meant Sam. No, the main bad guy. Sorry. Main bad guy. Okay. No, yes, Sam, is, Carly Sam is too good. Getting the fucking shortest end of any stick. Yeah, this is. It's uh, worse than Killmonger. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's bad. It's really bad. And like, I'm still in, interested in the show. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that uh, Sam and Bucky have gotten to the point where like they could potentially kiss. But I'm also sad about the fact that the fandom is racist. And if I go look up Sam Bucky fanfic, there will probably be like five things because Sam's black. Probably true. My biggest point of contention with Falcon Bucky, which I do not watch, I get all of it secondhand via people I follow on Twitter, um, <laughs> is That's that... That's the best way to watch any show, really. <laughs> um, in, so, in the show, Joaquin Torres is like an Air Force guy who's a friend of Sam's, which they completely changed from the comic, where he was an undocumented teen who got experimented by the Serpent Society and was like genetically fused with Falcon's telepathic bird Red Wing, who at that point was also a vampire... Yeah. So they completely wrote out the half boy, half bird, half vampire falcon, and I'm disappointed. Fair. That's fair. It it still sucks that they just didn't give give Sam a real bird. Uh, probably because a real bird is a lot harder to animate than like a drone. Like a you drone. Can CGI the bird. Yeah, but it won't look good. Like it's so much easier. Oh to make a no, machine a bad looking CGI the air, in the like. Marvel movie. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> I listen, they, they they don't nail their fucking CG for shit most of the time. I've seen the last bit of Black Panther. That is the dropiest bullshit in the world. <laughs> Just Gumby people throwing themselves at each other is that last fight scene. The rhinos. <laughs> the rhinos. Um I mean Endgame had some really solid CG, but like they had to. Like if they fucked anything up, like it'd be real bad. But like, I mean Especially on the TV budget, because, like, obviously these shows are being made on a much higher budget than, like, your standard television show would be, but they still got to kind of uh, 
prestige television budget because like the end of fucking uh wandavision that like last fight scene oh lordy some of that shit looked bad <laughs> i mean but it was, it was still fun. enjoyable because wandavision's a good show yeah I, you can like i can ignore bad cg for the most part but i can understand why like why you wouldn't want to try and animate a bird constantly or train a bird and have a bird on set constantly. <laughs> um, and they are chaos beings. They're pretty like, they're, they're pretty mercurial. Like, especially like, uh, red, Wing. red wing is a hawk, right? Like a red, yeah, red, he's a hawk? falcon. Falcon. I'm pretty sure of he's a falcon. Of course he's a falcon. I'm a fucking idiot. Anyways. <laughs> I could grab my bird book. Yeah, yeah. The uh, oh, this this is my this is my partner, Red Wing. He's a he, he's a sparrow. Oh, okay, cool. That doesn't really <laughs> make sense. The Falcon. No, hey, fuck you, buddy. Do you know how hard it is to get a trained bird? Uh. <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah. Politics continue to be show continues to be fun, but like most Marvel stuff, like the politics are continued to just be like fucked beyond reason. Yeah. Also, if we're not, why the fuck did they hire such a young actor to play Isaiah Bradley and then cover him in makeup if we're not going to get a goddamn flashback? Yeah, I mean. Flashback overall, could still be coming. I guess it could be. Mark? Because, like, I saw a pic. I didn't real A, that age makeup looks really great on Isaiah Bradley because I didn't realize he wasn't a real old man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because I saw a picture of the actor playing Isaiah Bradley. I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck? <laughs> but it is it is disappointing. Yeah. It might still be on the horizon, or maybe it was deleted, or maybe they'll do something like that for Young Avengers. Yeah, that's true. Or it could be like a victim of like the shots were planned, but they haven't been able they weren't able to get a hold get it together to be able to do it because of COVID or something like that. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Because some for some reason this show got reordered anyways. Like they had to reshift this one in the release order. So yeah, I heard a theory that the there might have been a subplot involving a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And they just had and to reshoot. Disney yeah, just thought it's too soon to bring that well, up. Yeah, and probably true. I mean, in their defense, the the th that would have been completely fine storyline two years ago when they were writing this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so. I heard that too. I also heard that it was just some of the characters that are showcased in it. They were also going to have stuff to do in the Black Widow movie. And so because yeah. that got shifted around, this yeah, had to move around too. the big in the latest episode, um, she's going to be in Black Widow. So Yeah, Elaine. She was supposed to debut in Black <laughs> Widow. It, it, I am just mad that she's not playing Elaine from Seinfeld. Just is now also super <laughs> <laughs> What's She's the evil deal Elaine. with Hydra? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh so I've watched so I was watching uh the ep I watched the episodes like three times before before uh we record. And so I was doing my first watch through uh on Friday night. And when I got done watching the episodes, HBO Max was like, Hey Brian. I'm like, hey, what's up, HBO Max? And they're like uh, 
did you know the new season of Infinity Train is out? And I'm like, oh, shit. Well, it's real late. I'm going to go to bed first. And it's like, well, the episodes are only like 15 minutes long. And I'm like, well, I'll watch a couple. Fast forward to 10 episodes later, and I've I fucking mainlined the entire fourth season of Infinity Train. And let me tell you, <laughs> it's great. And I'm continuing. I Apparently, this is the last season of Infinity Train again somehow. And I'm fucking pissed off about it because this is the best fucking show. I feel like no one in the goddamn world watches, but me uh new season is like a prequel season and talks about like the the rise of like um, uh, amelia as like the the conductor but in the background and it's about these it's about these two best friends who get onto the train together and their numbers are linked and it's very good uh and Vindy Train, great show i wish more people would watch it i wish it would stop getting canceled and re and uncanceled constantly uh, I wish it would just go on forever, frankly. So, uh, that's it. That's my rant about Infinity Train. <laughs> uh, so apparently, cartoon news. Apparently, cartoon cartoons is coming back, uh, which is cool. Um, I think eight or Cartoon Network is using it like its usual, like the kind of original mandate of cartoon cartoons of experimental and like diverse voices from outside of the standard industry, right? Yeah, it wasn't Infinity Train a cartoon cartoon as well? I believe so. I know it had a pilot. Uh Cartoon Network has had a number of different sort of pilot programs before, and I think they generally get referred to as the cartoon cartoons because that's what cartoon cartoons started out doing. And so people just were, I don't, but I don't know if it was specifically under a cartoon cartoon program. I, I could Google that, but I, I unfortunately my hands, they can't do it. Uh, <laughs> but hopefully we'll see some new interesting stuff out of there. We've seen interesting stuff out of the program before. Um, yeah, I think cow and chicken came out of that program. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I think Which, Family Guy did as well. So, you know, peaks mm. and valleys. Was Family Guy on Cartoon Network? No, uh, I don't think Family Guy started on Cartoon Network. I'm pretty sure Cartoon Network, like, optioned some uh, uh, syndication rights at one point. But... Yeah, but the original pilot for it, like, the thing that eventually evolved into uh, Family Guy was a cartoon cartoon. Oh, okay. It was just radically different. But it, it had now Seth. It, it had him voice. It had all of the. It had Brian and Griff or Brian and Peter in it. Um, now it's technically owned by Disney. Hell yeah! Uh, I mean, so are we probably. Yeah. Yeah. Sold our soul to the mouse for all this sweet podcasting money. I guess that we've got. I don't know. Uh, but like, okay, <laughs> like Disney. Disney is trying to sanitize every single thing in its catalog. So can't they just like cancel Family Guy and then that's the small price to pay for World Peace? God, I wish. <laughs> I am also, it also some, seems like Disney seems to forget that they also have Hulu, where they could shove a lot of that um, not safe for Disney stuff onto. Well, didn't they start the new not like? Didn't, don't they have like a new section on Disney Plus that's like the the not safe for Disney stuff? Not for you. Yeah. You guys have to get Hulu, but in Canada, you get Star folded into your Disney Plus subscription. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, okay. So I need to get my Disney Plus password from my dad so I can watch Glee. Ha, jokes on Disney. I'll just 
<laughs> pretend I'm in Canada. Uh, <laughs> like I jokes on the WWE, I can pretend I'm from England every time I watch the network. So. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, hopefully we get some interesting stuff out of that. I, I've been wondering what, it feels like Cartoon Network needs a new hit, frankly. Like, I don't know what they've got going on because like, Gumball's wrapped up, um, regular show's wrapped up, Craig of the Creek seems to be doing well, but I think HBO Max usurped that as well. Like, HBO Max recently brought a lot of seasons of stuff that was getting canceled, like, to HBO Max, because they're like, nah, fuck that, we're taking this shit if you're gonna can't keep canceling good shit. Um, which is wild, the level of power inside of that media corporation that HBO Max does, because apparently, Warner Brothers Films did not want to make the Snyder Cut, and, uh fucking the the head of HBO Max is like, nah, fuck that, and just threw infinite money at, at Zack Snyder to make the Snyder Cut happen. <laughs> that is bonkers. <laughs> yeah. So, that's how we got the fourth season of Infinity Train. Like, they were gonna cancel, Cartoon Network was gonna cancel it, and HBO Max is like, nah, one more season. Yeah. So. Hopefully we get yeah, some interesting Yeah, it definitely feels stuff. like it's, definitely feels like it's like the end of another era for Cartoon Network, and my friend Cassidy has done like a whole spreadsheet chart of the eras of Cartoon Network that you can kind of define by which shows were peaking at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm wondering what, what this next crop, like it's going to be real interesting to see. Cause we've already kind of started to see what the, like the post regular show post Steven universe, post gumball cartoons are starting to look like. If you look, you know, at things like, um, fucking, uh, the Owl House or She-Ra or, you know, some of the other more marquee cartoons that are still happening. Uh, so it's interesting to see what the, the that next generation of creators knock out here. Is, K- is OKKO OK still happening? I, I fell off that show, but it was No, that I think got ended like last year or the year before. Okay. They only got like two seasons, I think. That sucks. That was a good show. Um, All right. Well, per usual, we're a half hour in. It's time to actually start this recording. Uh, <laughs> um, this week, we are watching episodes 62, 63, and 64, Chilliteed, Cry for Help, and Keystone Motel. Our first episode is episode 62, Chilliteed, uh, which I, I assume is how that's pronounced. I'm just copying what Garnet says in the episode. Yeah, it's... It's Dutch? It is Dutch. That's what the Wikipedia says. Uh, uh, aired it's Danish. On, yeah. Uh, Jadish. Yeah, that's right. Sorry. You're correct. Uh, so, debuted on June 19th, 2015. The writer, writers and storyboard, writing and storyboards, blah, by Lamar Abrams and uh, Jesse Zook. Is Jesse Zook new? I don't know if I've said their name before. Yeah, that d- name doesn't sound familiar. Okay, cool. I think this is a new writer. <laughs> okay, official synopsis for the episode. Steven and the Crystal Gems try to relax with a slumber party. <laughs> oh, boy. Nailed it, guys. Technically uh, correct. They do try. Yeah, <laughs> technically <laughs> correct. The best there was they an attempt. They give it a good yeah. old college try. <laughs> <laughs> They're so bad at this. Uh, August and I theorized that uh, the writers of the synopsis for Steven Universe on like reverse by the word money. 
uh, <laughs> like the shorter they can get it, the more money they somehow get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in this episode, the episode begins with uh, Pearl and Amethyst on a raft in the middle of the ocean, with Amethyst holding Stephen's legs while he is underwater. Um, they are uh, trying to hunt down leads about finding the whereabouts of Malachite, which I don't actually know if we know the name of Malachite yet by that point in the episode, but whatever this summary. Uh, they are frustrated because they're having issues trying to find Malachite, uh, with Pearl snapping at Amethyst uh, as Amethyst purposefully asks Pearl if she's tired. Uh, Stephen begins to struggle for air, but Amethyst is confused whether that or not that is the signal to pull uh, pull him up, and eventually just kind of drops his ass into the water. Uh, Stephen appears, uh, admonishing everybody uh, about the safety or why we wear life vests. Uh, when Garnet emerges, tossing Stephen back into the boat where he flops around like a fishy. Um, <laughs> They are all very irritated because they cannot find a Malachite. They're all really starting to run down uh, when it comes to their just level of energy for this. Um, Garnet sort of explains that uh, Malachite must be found because her fusion is the, the fusion is a ticking time bomb. Uh, despite the flat the the fact that like Lapis is extremely powerful enough to maintain the fusion with Jasper, uh, their fusion is super unstable uh, because it is bound by anger and mistrust and if the bonds uh when that bond snaps uh their anger is going to take over and they're going to just go fucking hog wild uh steven uh begins to fall asleep on the raft when garnet prompts the gems that they should return home um Steven Stephen uh, almost sleeps while walk off the raft before we transition back to the house. Uh, back at the house, Pearl expresses uh, some frustration about not being out in the sea looking for Malachite. Uh, Garnet reminds everybody that Stephen is not like other gems and that he needs sleep. Uh, Stephen asks whether or not the gems are tired, and we get this amazing shot of them, quote unquote, looking awesome uh, as they appear visibly exhausted. Uh, the gems, uh, Stephen suggests, sorry, Stephen suggests that they uh, have a slumber party to help uh, the gems forget about looking for Malachite, uh, who is still out there, though the gems push back against this garnet says that it's a good idea leaving pearl and amethyst to uh, have a slumber party with steven uh, while she goes out to continue uh searching the bottom of the ocean uh steven sort of brings everybody upstairs uh lays out blankets on the floor uh amethyst immediately falls asleep after steven offers everybody a selection of stuffy bears uh to sleep with <laughs> Uh, though he has to walk Pearl through the process, uh, basically explaining, all right, well, you've got to lay down, you've got to close your eyes, you got to think for, think of nothing at all, and then he immediately falls asleep. And we cut to Stephen's dream, uh, which is kind of like a um, 1950s, Happy Days-ish pastiche of a sitcom. Pearl is the doting mother getting Stephen ready for the big dance with Connie. Uh Amethyst is somehow transported from an 80s sitcom and is like the the bad boy older sibling uh, skating through the scene. Garnet appears as the Fawn's analog here, uh, coming in with, I guess, her catchphrase, chillitude, uh, which means <laughs> chilling time in uh, Danish, apparently. Uh, and finally, what we presume is Connie arriving for the big dance uh, ring knocks at the door, though Stephen opens the door to find Lapis with water pouring from her eyes and her mouth, and then Stephen is overcome by a giant wave, and he wakes up from the nightmare. 
Uh, he explains what was happening uh, to Pearl, kind of explaining dreams because Pearl's never really had a dream before. Uh, it also explains like, yeah, well, dreams don't really make sense, which is also which makes them hard to explain. It also makes them boring to explain. And then goes on to start explaining his dream, where he and Pearl and Amethyst drift back off to sleep. Uh, we begin our second dream sequence, which is Steven. He's flying dog copter style through the sky uh, where he meets the real dog copter. He's like, Mr. Copter, I'm your biggest fan. Can I get an autograph? And dog copter meows at him. Apparently the stories of Beth, dog copter and the tabloids, they're true. He's jets off, leaving Steven in the dust. Um, <laughs> a giant head of Pearl appears, eats Steven, gives him an upgrade as though this is some kind of shmup. Uh, and Steven jets off with uh, jets. Uh, while he's trying to catch up with Doc Copter, we pass Amethyst riding a whale. Um, the scene starts to change. Steven kind of noticing things are weird. And then Steven runs into uh, runs into Lapis. Uh, Lapis is confused about what Steven is doing here. Um Stephen claims that uh, it's okay that he's still dreaming. Uh, Lapis denies this and tells him that uh, she has to concentrate. Uh, and Stephen wakes up uh, finding Amethyst laughing because uh, Pearl is projecting her dream on the ceiling. It's her riding a piece of pizza in the ocean like a surfboard hanging on the rose, having a grand time until Rose turns around and is in fact Greg in a wig and then pizza comes out of his mouth. <laughs> And Pearl wakes up suddenly being like, uh, hey, everybody. And Stephen's like, oh, I had a I had a weird dream. And Pearl assures him that dreams don't mean anything and they're definitely not real. Um, after Stephen explains the situation, Pearl is concerned that maybe Stephen is possibly communicating with Lapis through his dreams. Uh, so they decide to get Stephen back asleep if he can. He can rectify this issue. Uh Pearl begins to explain her dream to Steven to try and get him to go to sleep, which he does immediately. Uh, boy, that boy sleeps good. That's Steven's one of like main powers is going to sleep good. Uh, Steven finds himself kind of wandering through the dream space, knowing that this is a dream. He can navigate it more properly. We kind of go through a slight montage of of the previous dreams until Steven runs into like this massive white hair uh, sinking into it. We find Lapis uh, in a dark room with a water floor. She's chained to the floor. Uh, she tells Steven that she has to concentrate, that she has to focus. Otherwise, um, she's going to lose control. Uh, she does lose control for a moment with uh, her being sucked under the water. Jasper appearing. Uh, Jasper immediately starts trying to attack Steven. Uh, but is pulled back under the water by Lapis, who reappears. Uh, Lapis tells Steven that he needs to go, that he should just let her do this for him, uh, that she she can't be Lapis anymore. She has to be Malachite. And she, like, wraps her water wings around her face, sinks back into the water, and then the whole room fills with water, and we finally get to see Malachite and all of her glory uh, telling Steven to go. Steven wakes up in a huff. Uh, he's very scared. Finally, Garnet uh, reappears. Uh, Steven tries to kind of vaguely explain the dreams to Garnet, but doesn't do a great job. And Garnet's like, listen, we can't do anything about this right now, uh, and you need to sleep. Here, let me show you. Where she just falls immediately to the fucking floor and goes to sleep. Uh, <laughs> snoring, star wipe the end. <laughs> so. Uh, 
I'm glad I we had been go, had a pretty solid run. Uh we had had a pretty solid run of the show of not just being like constant existential horror and it seems as though that era of the show is done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh because I, I feel like the entire first half. Oh, sorry, what'd you say? I liked. I liked this episode of Wandavision. Yeah, I feel like the entire first half of season one of Steven Universe. Every episode we had one just horrifying thing, and we're back to that. We're back to that that run. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I I love the raft with botch, boss bitch Pearl. Just like I don't get tired, I get results. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Steven continuing to be the most responsible Jim. Yeah. Uh, just, I like, I love his, like, his, his propensity for, like, wearing life vests, even though the gyms cannot, he knows that the gyms cannot drown. <laughs> the life diapers. Life diapers. Uh, and Garnet oh, just, ta- so just throwing the fucking <laughs> vest over her shoulder and then just putting a vest on using her powers as though that's going to do anything. Uh, I also it's love probably... that Garnet constantly wears a pair of goggles over her glasses every time she has to go into the water. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying, August? Oh, I was saying it's probably a weighted vest. Probably. So, like her hair. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's they do a lot of like hammer like they're not trying to be terribly subtle uh, in this episode of like Malachite is a is a metaphor for an unhealthy relationship like they're signposting that pretty fucking hard yeah uh, I mean I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because it's they have not shown fusion in a negative light yet uh so it, it's interesting that like that they're doing all this this work to like be like yeah listen sometimes you can continue to stay in a relationship with somebody uh that is not good for you <laughs> so yeah though i remember um shannon mentioning a while ago uh finding uh lapis's actions with malachite to be really uh, upsetting because you know like there are people who will take abuse for the sake of saving others and like it's deeply uncomfortable to see that uh sort of laid out more clearly here mm-hmm. yeah they, they are they, they don't peruse they don't really shy away from the heavy shit uh it's What's interesting is how negatively the and I'm we'll see it going forward, uh, is how negatively just the experience of being Malachite deeply affects both of them. Cause like mm-hmm. it's not like Jasper wants to be there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but then it's like it gets a little muddy too because you know if lapis is the one keeping her there is she the one in control of the relationship is she the abuser right or i because i've always it it's always felt as though malachite is not i've always maintained 
and I could be wrong, and I have different interpretations than this, and I'm not saying that I am the uh, the end-all, be-all authority on this thing by, by any stretch of the imagination, but I've always seen Malachite as, like, less of a metaphor about a mu- an abusive relationship and one just about an unhealthy one of peaceful people, like, trying to force a relationship to work for whatever reason they want, um, and how two people who are extremely bad for each other can continue to be just really fucking bad for each other in infinitum until like something you know something breaks in that sort of in that equilibrium you know mm-hmm. yeah i i definitely agree with that too because i uh for, first off i should say that i've these are like the first full episodes of seeming universe i've ever watched but i know <laughs> what a fucking but- time to come in <laughs> um, but, but I I at least know a lot about the show, uh, especially this chunk of episodes, because I distinctly remember people's reactions to this Steven bomb and the following one that we'll be talking about with the other two episodes. Yeah. Um, but I think I really agree with that, Brian, because it definitely felt like this was um, Lapis and Jasper fused together because Jasper needs to be strong enough to defeat the gems, and Lapis wants to be useful by using the fusion to take Jasper off the table. So it's very much the sense of two people who care more about the relationship persisting rather than their own needs. Right. I can see that. It's just... It's... Like I said, the read is just kind of muddied for Mm. me because of, you know, the reasons I listed. It's just, you know, with, with the way that Lapis was acting... It's definitely, at least feels to me, like an abusive situation. Yeah. Uh, Because Jasper definitely wanted to hurt people, so Lapis put herself in the way, uh, in harm's way, to to kind of control uh, Jasper's uh, violent tendencies. So it's, you know, it's, I feel like it's there, uh, but you're right, like, I can definitely see the reading that y'all have uh, as well. So it's just like the, I feel like the waters are a little bit muddied with this episode and what it represents. Yeah. It does feel like they're trying to make this fit. They're using this as their solitary at this point. They'll, they'll, they'll get a little bit better at about it. Uh, but at this point it feels like they're, they're using Malachite as like, their their one tool to tell tell stories about about bad relationships no matter what that Mm -hmm. bad relationship is that makes sense yeah and i mean it may be because like i feel like after reading a a number of this you know supplemental material and stuff from rebecca sugar they they're basically constantly thinking like well this could be our last season so they just fucking go for whatever every time Mm -hmm. uh which doesn't necessarily lead to the clearest, but like most straightforward storytelling. If you don't have the luxury of knowing that you can do a slow burn sort of story or have the time to tell the story. But I mean, that doesn't necessarily, you can just cut, cut the excess and and focus on one thing. Um, let's see. Uh, I love the tired gems. We look great. Like that's a great. It continues it's to be a good visual gag. gag. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I love um, that Stephen is like uh, is the stuffed animal sommelier. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I 
I feel Steven on a very visceral level for this episode because I too can fall asleep at the drop of a hat. Um, and, uh, I too love stuffed animals. So just <laughs> fucking mood Steven. See, I feel like I'm the opposite. It's like, oh, is that why I have insomnia? And the fact that I can't lie down without thinking about everything in the whole fucking world all the time. <laughs> Listen, I'll have to tell you, I'll have to tell you the trick that I taught myself when I was very young because I had the same problem and I taught myself basically like a form of self-hypnosis to get to sleep and it works very very well. Why haven't you taught me? I didn't know you wanted to. I Okay, I'll teach you <laughs> after the episode. Uh, so what? So, uh, so Tanner, this is the first full episodes of Steven Universe that you've watched. Lindsay, what's what is your experience when it comes to Steven Universe? Um, this is also my first time watching a full episode. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that we brought you all in at a very very calm point in the show to like get onboarded with uh so at any point you're wondering like we're we're very deep we're, we're currently deep in the steven universe so at any point you need us to stop or you you have like a thing just interrupt us uh or if we're talking about some kind of ridiculous inside joke that we've created over the process luckily ronaldo's not in these episodes so we don't have to go into yeah. that explanation uh but uh it should be uh, by all means, cut us off because we can kind of get up our own ass pretty easily, <laughs> as we are wont to do. Um, the sitcom, the sit, the dreams are really interesting. Like a, so apparently the chillitude thing has no deeper meaning according to this Wikipedia, uh, because they just thought it was a they 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 saw it in a, a Danish promo for the regular show and they thought it was funny and so they just put it into this episode uh so there's not a whole lot more context than that for it um but i do find it interesting especially like not necessarily the first dream but like the second dream onward like because the second dream feels as though it just takes like a like a much wilder path much quicker and i'm wondering mm -hmm. If you like, it feels like to me that Steven is just starting to gleam, gleam like the mental state from everybody around him, like by the second dreams point. Because like, why is Amethyst there riding a whale, you know? And yeah, then the water yeah. theme, which seems to be part of Pearl's dream, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean... I feel like the imagery overall in the dreams is really good. Um, I definitely agree that like from the second dream on, it's like, there's a lot of bleed going on. Mm -hmm. um, like, I feel like, you know, with some of the crossover of the imagery uh, definitely shows that there's something happening, but it's, yeah, it's, it's really clear that Steven is mostly focusing on Lapis. And I think that might be part of why, the the water imagery is so prominent from the second dream. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good point. And like, you know, some of that bled into like Pearl. Yeah. Um, so I also just oh. going back a little bit, I do find it interesting that uh, Amethyst is able to fall asleep really easily too. Um, 
I feel like that's a really nice way of showing how she continues to be interested in things that humans do. Like, she can eat, she can sleep. You know, Pearl is so far removed from humanity in, in her uh, in her preferences. So, uh, it's a nice dichotomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like that. We just continue to be ameth- like Amethyst, the second most human gem. <laughs> Possibly more human than Steven when it comes to her activities. I, too, can wish to consume motor oil. <laughs> uh, I love at the end of the first dream, like, the horrifying lapis imagery at the end of the first dream where everything stays black and white except for lapis, including the crushing wave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was really good. That was a really good, like, touch of horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I, it feels like we're just kind of, uh, so (laughs) let's talk about our girl Pearl for a second. I'm going to start, this is my official declaration of starting a GoFundMe to get Pearl some fucking therapy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking, uh, like, I don't even, I don't know how to interpret this dream. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's fairly straightforward. Like, it's it's an, a mixture of, like, things that Pearl likes contrasted with things that she doesn't. Like, you know, Greg, you know, Greg with the pizza coming out of his mouth, we know she hates eating. True. Uh, <laughs> we know that, like, her nightmare would be, like, being around Greg in this, uh, in this instance. Like, she still bears a lot of resentment for him. This is a really great way to show that. Um, Well, it seems as though, like, it feels like, at least in the background, it feels like what we've been seeing is, like, Pearl becoming less resentful to Greg. Like, she's helping him more. They seem to be getting along a little bit better. Uh, Yeah. So... Oh, no. But I mean, that doesn't mean it goes away overnight. Like yeah, they've done true. a really good job of showing how, like, you know, Amethyst and Pearl have resolved some of their issues, but there's still a bit of tension there. And like, you know, especially with the uh, uh, with the episode where uh, Amethyst, w- you know, turned into Pearl for a bit. Like, you know, it hasn't gone away. It's getting better, but it hasn't gone away. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. You've got a point there. Uh, I also love a- Amethyst immediately teasing Pearl about the dream. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Amethyst and Pearl interactions are good. Always good. Always A plus around here. Um, so what did everybody feel? How did everybody feel about like what's going on in the like the Malachite headspace? Uh, which I guess is what's going like that feels like a solid interesting visual representation of what it what it is to be like inside the head of this fusion um especially considering how much this entire season seems to be about fusion um but uh like what how how did everybody feel sort of about like the imagery and what's going on inside of that headspace I this is gonna sound a bit you know, crass pop culture, 
pop culture-y, but I almost feel like when Steven meets Lapis and she's chained up to Jasper and they're pulling at each other, it almost feels like what might be going on in Spanner's head with him and the Hulk. That's an interesting point that I hadn't, hmm. I hadn't quite considered that. Uh, that is, yeah, trying to keep this kind of, like, more hurtful personality pushed down. Like, struggling constantly to be in this... I mean, yeah. Yeah, I get what you're coming from. Like, for sure. Uh, I do wonder... I wish I could pick more, like, I wish my DVDs that I paid a significant amount of money had more commentary on them, um, so I could see if maybe there were pulls from that, but, you know, whatever, fuck you, Cartoon Network. Uh, (laughs) Like, aside from the obvious green stuff going on. Yeah. And I was reading up on uh, TV tropes about Malachite, and they seem to be a pretty destructive yeah they 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 go buck wild here rather soon yeah Um, yeah it's it's still very interesting to me that they chose malachite as the fusion just because like malachite the actual mineral interacts very poorly with water um so that's just an interesting touch to me um and especially with like the way that there was still a lot of water imagery around um, because of Lapis. Uh, like I said, just uh, something that feels like a nice touch. Yeah. Showing off their research. Yeah, they're, they're pretty... Like it when shows do stuff like that. Yeah, they're they, they are not... <laughs> for a show that uses rock people, they're very they're very particular about their, their rock symbology and metaphors going on. Um, yeah, so, I, so, have you guys, y'all haven't seen the episode Sworn to the Sword, have you? The sword fighting episode with Connie and and Pearl? I have not, but I listened to you guys discuss it. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I guess this is a little little kind of uh directed at 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 august uh so how do you feel about that like just let me do this for you parallel there august (sighs) feels bad so (laughs) yeah yeah it really does um it's uh it's a good parallel it wasn't something that i necessarily picked up up on but now that you've said it it's just like hmm hmm don't like that Mm -hmm. don't like it a lot because it's it's weird how they like Steven Universe is constantly playing at the idea of like poking at the idea of the like the sort of chosen leader, right? The the charismatic force driving something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it I don't know what they're I mean they wouldn't have picked. The, I I don't feel like they would have picked that line if they weren't trying to say something with it, uh, especially in this sort of context. And yeah. uh, it's interesting because like Lapis doesn't have that same level of connection to the crystal gems. In fact, dislikes them greatly at this point in her her life. But she likes Stephen because Stephen was nice to her. You know, 
Um, and there's obviously like the, the parallels, like we spoke about with like it being like an abusive relationship and putting yourself between like a person who, who has violent tendencies and other people, um, you know, particularly like a child in the relationship, but also this feels very similar to like that sacrifice Pearl's willing to make of like your, like this devaluation of, of yourself because of like an idea or a movement that you're part of, like you're more in to me, you're, you know, you're more important than me to this thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. and that sort of inherent, that inherent sort of like self-valuation that comes with being part of a quote unquote cause. Um, now I, I don't know where that fits with Lapis because obviously I don't think Lapis at this point in her character, uh, gives a dusty diddly fuck about the earth. Um, no. outside of Steven. Yeah. But, I think this yeah. is purely just like Steven showed her a basic kindness mm-hmm. and like that meant a lot to her because like we know, well, okay. I don't want to say we know, but I mean it, I feel like it's fairly clear that she, uh, represents like depression in some ways. Like she's definitely <laughs> yeah. suffering don't from worry. depression. We'll get, <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. It, it's very easy to call. Like we'll see it as it goes on, but Lapis is like the literal avatar of depression made real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's an interesting parallel because like, We'll, we're going to see some of the backstory of the other gems, and in particular, like, gems from the actual gem war and everything. And I wonder if the impetus for the level of loyalty that they all have for, like, say, Rose, because, you know, we're drawing parallels here, right? Is that Rose mm-hmm. does that same, shows people that same level of, like, kindness and acceptance that they do- weren't getting from the Diamond Authority, uh, I guess we'll need put a pin in this. We're gonna come back to this when we get to, uh, when we get to the answer. Okay. The episode, the answer, not and also I guess actually yeah. the answer. Um, so three more episodes will yeah. be there. Okay. Uh, we only have three more episodes left in this season, August. What? Wow. Yeah, I know, right? It's going by. Uh. Everything feels so quick after the first season. I know, right? <laughs> uh, that first season forever. Uh, I also like that Steve, <laughs> Steve in an explanation on the dream, like, I've got some issues I need to work out. Oh, you don't say, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you can apply that sentiment to everybody in the room right now. Uh, okay. So do we have uh, we have any more uh, thoughts, ideas about comments about Chilatid? Uh, when Amethyst skateboards off, she says Bawakanga. Yes, that's also very yeah. good. <laughs> that is important. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't I, know. I, oh, go on. Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I do appreciate Garnet just, you know, flopping on the floor. When she arrives at the end of the episode. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because I've been there. (laughs) Planking champion Garnet. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay. Um, oh, go on. I don't know. I I do appreciate the the spectrum that Stephen and Amethyst and Pearl represent when it comes to sleep. Um, just because you know the different ways that they go to sleep. Um, I don't know. It's cute. It's cute. Very cute episode. Art pretty on point this episode <clears throat> too. Oh yeah. Good visuals, good use of color. Alrighty, let's move on to episode 63, Cry for Help. Uh, this one came out on July 13th, 2015. Kicked off a Steven bomb, I believe. Um, is written by Joe Johnston and Jeff Liu, which, does, which makes sense because they are always constantly coming for our fucking neck, it would seem. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> official synopsis. This is a good one. All right. Steven's favorite TV show is interrupted by a magical disturbance. <laughs> oh, magical. Just, you can't that just say a thing that happens in the episode is not what happens in the, like, you can't just describe an action like Steven leaves the house and goes down to the mailbox. That's not the episode description. It could happen in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> The episode begins with Stephen and Amethyst watching Crying Breakfast Friends. Stephen seems to be enjoying the show, but Amethyst is confused by the cartoon storyline. The television stops working, receiving a sudden bout of static. Uh, Stephen complains about this happening again, and Amethyst offers to fix it. After a few swift kicks, the screen displays Peridot demanding help and extraction from Yellow Diamond. Um... In a message on all frequencies, Pearl and Garnet uh, catch the broadcast as well, with Stephen confirming with Connie over the phone that it's not just them receiving the transmission. Um, they're trying to figure out what could possibly be sending uh, this broadcast, and they deduce that it has to be coming from the communication hub. Uh, the Gems and Stephen travel to the communication hub on Lion, um, with Stephen sort of riding in his mane, as the warp pad got destroyed by Sugalite uh, way, way, way back in that episode. Um, they find that the hub has been rebuilt, uh, mostly, uh, from the destroyed remains uh, that got left behind. Uh, Stephen uh, is very excited that they get to destroy the hub and suggests that Amethyst and Garnet fuse into Sugalite again. Amethyst seems eh, happy by this idea, um, but uh, Garnet states that this is not a... Um, Sorry, and states that it's Garnet's decision <laughs> on whether or not uh, to form Sugalite. Uh, Garnet refuses to do so, saying that the last time that they formed Sugalite, she went berserk, uh, taking over their personalities and consequently destroying basically everything, including the warp pad here. Uh, she says that Amethyst can be uh, Amethyst can be brash. She can be impulsive. Uh, together, they're just not they they can be reckless together. Um, and so Garnet says that uh, Sugalite is benched for now, and she suggests that she and Pearl fuse. Uh, Steven becomes fucking ecstatic by this. Uh, Pearl is elated, uh, begins to cry. <laughs> uh, and they get to they get <laughs> they get sorted out. Uh, Garnet and Pearl form their fusion dance. Uh, I get the hose out for this dance. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they form sardonics. Um, I've got to figure out who. Oh, so. Sorry, I've, I've got to pull up Sardonyx for a little bit later. Um, Sardonyx is basically like a giant magician lady. Uh, 
she is chock full of jokes and uh, laughs like the, the the first bad guy from goddamn Sailor Moon. It's great. Uh, she has an Ojo Sama laugh. That's true. <laughs> she does. It's delightful. Um, she uh, takes apart the communication hub, knocking out specific pillars. Uh, and the whole time, Amethyst seems a little off put by this. She she feels bad <laughs> about what's going on. Um, finally, uh, Sardonyx unfuses. Everybody celebrates. Uh, And uh, we head back to the temple. Uh, we're back at the temple. We're watching Crime Breakfast, friends, this time with uh, with Garnet. Um, it seems as though the spoon... Pear has lied to the spoon, I believe. is I don't know the spoon's name. Yeah. I assume it's named Spoon. Um, <laughs> the other one's named Pear, so... <laughs> uh, they, uh, when fine, uh, finally a transmission sort of interrupts, uh, the, uh, the cartoon again, uh, at that moment, Pearl walks back in, Garnet saying, we've got to, uh, like, Peridot has fixed the, the hub again, uh, we get another montage of Sardonyx, fu- uh, being created, and she gloats about her existence, uh, demanding due to her personality, intentional or otherwise, towards the end of those, uh, sorry, and basically, she starts taking the uh, part the tower again. Uh, we get a song from Amethyst, a Tower of Mistakes, basically expressing her sadness that she can't be with Garnet anymore, and that maybe she is in fact better off with with Pearl because Amethyst can't give her what she needs at this moment. Um, Stephen noticing this uh, gets Amethyst together with him, and they later go back to the tower. With the idea that, like, well, Peridot's been back here twice, she'll probably be back here a third time, and when she is, we're gonna fucking catch her. Uh, there's a cute little scene about a uh, floating finger illusion when finally uh, Peridot's escape pod shows up, though they're confused by this because the escape pod was damaged, and also they theoretically should have ownership of this. Uh, come to find out, that it's not Peridot who's putting the tower back together. It is, in fact, Pearl. Steven is super confused by this, but it seems as though uh, Amethyst kind of grocks what's happening very quickly. Uh, back at the house, um, Amethyst and Steven are trying to talk out the situation when the disturbance, air quotes, happens again. Uh, Pearl rushes in, feigning ignorance as to why it's happening, uh, and they rush back out to the the communication hub. As Garnet and Pearl are about to fuse together again, Stephen uh, speaks up. Uh, Amethyst elaborates, saying that they know... Or no, sorry. Amethyst speaks up. Stephen elaborates, saying that they know what Pearl's been up to. Uh, Pearl looks at Garnet and apologizes, saying, um, it's just so much fun being sardonics with you. Uh, Garnet becomes fucking enraged that Pearl lied to her to to fuse, um, admonishing her, saying that she's wasting a bunch of time while Peridot is running around in the world. Um, and Amethyst tries to defend her, though Garnet tells her to, you know, d- don't defend her. She's the one who's fucking lying here. Um, finally, Garnet decides to take uh, Amethyst. They form Sugalite to destroy the tower. Uh, we get... Uh, a fucking Ava shot of the tower coming down um, while Pearl has the most visceral uh, depiction of a panic attack ever committed to celluloid. 
um, back at the house. Uh, Amethyst and Stephen are watching Crying Breakfast one, Friends one more time. Uh, Spoon is forgiving Pear. Uh, well, Pearl and Garnet walk past each other in the, the main part of the house. Garnet is extremely cold to, to, to Pearl, who looks really admi- or really depressed about the situation. Uh, Amethyst says, man, it sure would be nice if things uh, worked out the way they do in cartoons, to which Steven agrees, turning off the television, star wipe, the end. Uh, I'm glad we brought you guys in for, like, just four very happy episodes of Steven Universe this week. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> A quick do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do crying breakfast friends game. Uh, Tanner, Lindsay, we need to know uh, what crying breakfast friends character you are. You don't have to actually know what the crying breakfast friend characters are. You just need, like, your, your like, uh, your mental health issue plus whatever breakfast food you like. <laughs> mm. Nostalgic oatmeal. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Uh, ADHD coffee. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, do you guys know why... Uh, I Like, it... It's interesting from a story perspective, but also from, like, a budgetary perspective. Do you guys know why we can't actually form Sugalite anymore? <laughs> uh, because they can no longer afford Ninky Minjaj. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which becomes yeah. going to be a funny fucking episode next next season. Um, but yeah, Nicki Minaj was the voice actor for, for Sugalite, and they... Like they have to dance around the fact that Sugalite exists now in canon for for infinity. I don't know how they afforded her the first time. Uh, well, it was it was pre monster. Yeah, but she was still getting like fucking like big fucking money for like features. Uh, I mean maybe maybe somebody had a uh, had a connection. Yeah, you know, called in a favor. It has to have been Estelle. I feel like. Yeah. I feel like you're right. Like Estelle but, knew her um, and she's like, hey, you want to come? Because like they got Amy Mann too. Uh, so like it's not like they don't know musicians. Yeah. Uh, and probably at that time, probably Amy Mann and Nicki Minaj had the same rate. Uh, but that changed significantly <laughs> post season yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting because Kanye almost didn't include uh, Nicki's verse because he... Uh, suspected and was right that she would outshine him. It's true. <laughs> I mean, Kanye is not the world's best rapper. He's just like, he's a super producer. That's what he does. Put a bunch of fucking people you would never expect to be able to be on a track together on a track together. That's that his, his main skill as a producer. I don't yeah. know. That album was really good. Yeah, it's really <laughs> good. But like from it, it shines in a production standpoint. Mm uh you know for the longest time i thought sardonyx was voiced by janelle one and apparently that is not uncommon uh misconception yeah everyone yeah. seems to think that she's voiced by janelle monet sardonyx is in fact voiced by uh alexia kadmine kadmine k-h-a-d-i-m-e don't know Kadim, I think. I think it's Kadim. Kadim. It's either Kadim or Kadim. <laughs> uh, sorry about the pronunciation of your last name, Alexia. 
uh, English actor, act, actor, blah, and a mezzo soprano apparently. Uh, Neat. Which doesn't come into play for for sardonics because I don't think she ever gets a song. Uh, though luckily it wasn't Janelle Monet, so they could in fact get her fucking back in the voice booth. I think they yeah they learned their lesson. Uh, when it came to fusions, I think from that point, because they stopped getting like expensive musicians for the most part, which is not true when we get to the diamonds, but we'll get to the diamonds later. Mm-hmm. Um, though, I guess the the diamonds are like. Musicians, but I wouldn't necessarily say they're expensive musicians. I mean, the actress who plays Yellow Diamond, she seems to be down for really anything. So yeah, I'm Patty not Lepone super shocked will about that. Voice fucking anything. Like, yeah, because <laughs> uh, Patty Lapone was on Glee, right? She was on Glee, yeah. well, she, but she, she she was only on Glee for like five minutes as herself, which is like the least. Um, I, I don't know. I was going to say excruciating, but that's not the right word. <laughs> the it's le- Glee. So, yeah, the least, probably the least strenuous kind of guest starring on Glee. I was more thinking of when Patty Lapone played like two separate characters on Penny Dreadful that were like completely out of her expected wheelhouse. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she comes, she, when she plays, like, she, like, Yellow Diamond becomes a much, much, much more featured character as the, the show goes on, so. Yes. Um. Patty LuPone always understood the assignment. Yeah, exactly. And she fucking kills it, too. <laughs> um. So, anyways. <laughs> Alpha Patty LuPone and voice actors. Um. I do like, I wrote here in my notes, Garnet embodying the spirit of the budget department when that no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, fucking deep in our amethyst feels this episode. Yeah, 100%. Um, again, nice parallels between amethyst and pearl this episode because they're both feeling insecure and both want to fuse with Garnet as a means to poorly cope. Mm-hmm. Love that shit. Love it. But also, yeah. why are fusion dances so fucky? Like, okay, so Sukalite's fusion dance, not that fucky. Like, even though no. even though Pearl was like, oh, don't look, because there was, like, a lot of twerking. It was, like, joyful having fun twerking, right? Like, Yeah, but it it does end, I went and watched the Sukalite fusion dance, it does end with Garnet opening her legs up so that Amethyst can fly directly into her crotch. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is this feels way hornier though. <laughs> oh, it, it does feel hornier, no doubt about I that. I also went back and like, watched the fusion dance for Rainbow Quartz. Uh, that was still pretty fucky. Yeah, too. extremely fucky. Pearl, Pearl <laughs> Queen of the fucky fusion dances. Frankly, yeah, it's all that repressed, like messy lesbian energy. That's true. <laughs> uh. Just gotta get the. This is almost. This is almost as bad as Love Letter. Like I've got to get the horny stick out, and I'm threatening with it, but I don't have to bop too, too, too yet. So, I mean, this episode and the next, and I'm assuming the ones after it are about Garnet debating whether she should bonk Pearl with the horny stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes on this entire. So the kind of. This was episode one of like the week for uh for this particular uh Stephen Baum. And they went uh hard with the Stephen Baum when it comes to theming. And this also feels mm-hmm. like the point where 
the crew had been informed, okay, this is what your fucking release schedule is going to start looking like. Because they start building the arcs around this this release format. Which unfortunately fed into Cartoon Network's bullshit, so we only ever got fucking episodes out of goddamn drip feed. But whatever. I'm not still bitter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so how do, uh, A, need to shout out the fact that Garnet will fucking throw the, or the people closest to her into the air at a moment's notice. Uh, mm-hmm. and also <laughs> what, how does everybody like Sardonyx? I wrote mood Steven with regards to giant woman, uh, because that's always <laughs> my mood. Is yes, giant woman. Uh, but I, I feel like she would get obnoxious if she had way more screen time. But the amount of screen time she has is the perfect amount of like showmanship and being a little self-aggrandizing and just generally showing off. I liked, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. But it could definitely overstay its welcome. We see her, I think, a cu- just a couple more times as far as the series goes. Uh, we'll definitely see her next season. Uh, but, uh, they definitely, they, 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 they tone down a bit of her character aspects because she's around for like a full fucking episode next time. Uh, Uh, so she's a little less, she's a little uh. less. They, they take that dial and they turn it down to like a seven. (laughs) Cause this this motherfucker's at an 11 right now. Yeah. But. No, I I enjoyed her a lot. Like, of course, I enjoy giant women. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she was she was fun. It's also good to know. Uh, it's also good to know that the the writers confirmed that she's in fact down to smash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that they gave her a warhammer. You don't see that weapon often. Yeah. Uh, it. I like how the the. It's very inventive the way that they, like, fuse everybody's weapons together. Like, mm-hmm. when they... Because, like, Sugalites is, like, a... It's sort of like a a mall with, like, the, the fists attached to the end of a chain. And, uh... uh oh, what's... Opal. Opal, thank you. Uh, Opal's being, like, a bow... Like, a bow, because that's a staff plus the whip. Like, it's it's smart. It's also interesting that they chose, like, a Warhammer for Sardonyx, who is, like, a character who, at first first glance, you wouldn't be like, ah, yes, Warhammer is this weird magician's (laughs) (laughs) default weapon. It's fun, though. It's it's a nice contrast. Mm -hmm. Uh, The... A crying breakfast friends throughout this entire episode is just the the like Steven Universe continuing to use crying breakfast friends as a meta commentary on their own show. Uh they'll start using crying breakfast friends as like an abil- like as the ability to like make fun of their own fans pretty later. It's very fun. Oh boy. Uh, we'll have to dig out I can't remember when the Steven Universe like shorts start happening, but I'll I'll uh I'll dig them out and we'll watch them when time is appropriate. Now that you brought that up, mm-hmm. I it kind of made me think of the Shadow Girls from Revolutionary Girl Utena, and I'm guessing the show was influenced by <laughs> by that. Oh, they anime. have entire, <laughs> they have one for one recreated entire sequences from Utena in this show. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because good. like in the previous episode, the voice actress for Lapis, whatever reason, she made me think of the voice actress for Wakaba. But then I looked up the voice actress and no, she was never on Utena. Yeah. That would have been a pretty because I, I don't think she's even old enough to have been on Utena. Yeah. So, the, Utena is the like there's an anime ghost that looms large over Steven universe for sure. Um, because it's basically <laughs> a magical girl anime with like a little boy as the protagonist. Uh, but I mean, that's not the only shadow that hangs over the production, but yeah, yeah it's probably the most obvious. I think Yeah, Utena is the biggest is, is the biggest sort of like pull that they're, they're going for when it comes to Steven universe. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're not, you're not wrong. <laughs> There's definitely some like mad Utena vibes going on always forever. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't, I honestly hadn't made that connection. <laughs> it, it, uh, it just continues the fucking like deep into the well of like, ah, uh, yes. Cause every time. I'm like, oh, I wonder where they got this idea from. I'll look in the Wikipedia and it's like my revolutionary girl did that. I'm like, ah, why am I even surprised anymore? Because <laughs> I think I mean, if you're going to pull from a okay. from an anime like Utena is a really great anime to pull from. It's true. Um, also, speaking of anime, like that is the most fucking Evangelion shot at the end of like Sugalite in front of the dropping tower. Like, it feels like it's like mm-hmm. mad. Like, it some feels like the only two animes that, like, the, the biggest two animes this show references constantly are like Revolutionary Girl Utena and Neo Genesis Evangelion. Like, just bounces back and forth between those. And maybe just because <laughs> they've got big monsters. And if for a Western audience, if you're going to be making a pull when it comes to like giant monster anime, like, uh, Ava has like the bigger cultural impact on the West, uh, even though mm-hmm. that's not probably the biggest th- that in Japan that wouldn't necessarily be the biggest pull, even though it's not like Ava isn't looms large over the culture there either. Um, but yeah. <sighs> How do we like that uh, Amethyst song? Is it heartbreaking? <laughs> I love her and want to hug her. Somebody hug Amethyst. Also, I feel like Please. Amethyst misinterpreting the situation somewhat. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, but it's still, oh my god, it's a good song. It's heartbreaking. I love Amethyst so much. Um, it is a really good song. Yeah, there. I think. I think we're. In the section of Steve, I think it's from this point forward. I don't. I think it's all bankers from for Steven Universe from this point forward. Like I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong about this because I haven't watched the entire series in quite some time. Uh, but I cannot think of like a, a meh song from this point forward in the show. They get the they get their. I mean, also the person who's writing a lot of the songs is like Rebecca Sugar, who had like quite a bit of fucking experience at writing short little television show songs at this point in her career. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's good shit. It's true. Um, I love like, I know amethyst isn't the focus of this episode, but I do love the ways in which 
we see what Amethyst is going through and how she copes and doesn't cope. And like, again, the parallels between her and Pearl are so good. I mean, she may not be the focus of the episode, but she's really just as important as Pearl because it's really about both of them feeling inadequate in comparison to Garnet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, on a scale of 1 to 10, how fucked is the thing that Pearl does here? <laughs> Ooh. Like, it's it's almost on par. Okay, maybe not on par, but it's the same motivation that Jasper has for fusing, which is to become stronger. Um... And the fact that Pearl and Garnet are friends, I don't know if it makes it better or worse. Yeah, I... Well, what's weird is it's it doesn't have the utilitarian, uh, like, mindset, or the transactional not mindset that, that, that Jasper has, right? Like, for Jasper, it's a means to an end, uh, and it doesn't go any further than that. Like, it doesn't mean anything. Well, it means something personal to Jasper, but it, that personal meaning is, like, the victory uh, that she'll get over the Crystal Gems doesn't has very little to do with, uh, with you know, uh, with Lapis, frankly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'd put it at a 7.5. Okay. <laughs> just because, like, I feel like... You know, this just kind of jumping ahead slightly, I feel like, you know, the Keystone Motel stuff is a little bit overreacting. But, like, at the very end, Garnet is very valid in how upset she is. And, like, it's... Yeah, it. I would put it at a seven and a half. Because that's... It's kind of fucked. It's true. Yeah, like, there isn't really a point other than... Pearl just wanting to it's almost like like the drug metaphor is very obvious but it's I would say more like an adrenaline rush than like mm-hmm. the actual hard substances but yeah it's searching for that and then using someone especially without them knowing and thus consenting to that they're they're fusing under false pretenses right mm-hmm and which brings us back to, I guess, a point that I think we had, was it last time that we recorded when we were talking about, like, yeah, because we were talking about Rainbow Quartz and and Rose not being able to grok out or to sense why Pearl was doing a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. it, it's interesting because it doesn't seem as though fusion does not seem to have to be a free flow of consciousness. Yeah. Um, at the very least, definitely with Pearl. Yeah. Uh, who seems to be Cause... very good at hiding her motivations for doing things. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the desire here for Pearl is not... I don't think she actually wants the victories. I don't think she wants to quote-unquote feel strong. I think for Pearl, it's chasing that need, that feeling of being needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, our girl, she got problems. <laughs> uh, and going back to the previous episode, too, in the in the first dream sequence, she's cast as the mother figure mm-hmm. 
for Steven. So maybe that's him picking up on some vibes from her that she wants to take care of people. That's how she feels good about herself. Yeah. You bring up a point that I meant to bring up last time, but we see, (laughs) um, like in, in, in that same episode, Pearl's insistence on trying to help Garnet, I feel like was maybe teasing at this a little bit of like Pearl is trying to push herself harder and harder to be useful to everybody to like take to chase that feeling of of being of use um which we saw previously in in the chore wheel like she just takes over the chore wheel uh mm-hmm. because she's funneling all of these negative feelings into like doing stuff uh being useful to people uh and it's you know it's bad news bears um yep uh <laughs> the yep. the shot at the end of this not at the end end of this but like that shot of like pearl gripping her stomach and then like intense close up on her face is my favorite shot in this entire series because <laughs> uh, the most visceral like uh visceral like real depiction of what it feels like to be having a panic attack at the moment uh that i think i've ever seen in a cartoon because like it's just like nothing but like pure shame and dread and panic just distilled into like four frames of animation (laughs) it's good shit is the thing Mm mm-hmm Okay. Well, do we have anything else to say about Cry for Help? Check my notes if I wrote down anything. No, I think that covers it. Okie dokie. Then let's move on to episode 64, Keystone Motel. Came out on July 14th. uh, Written by Raven Mollesey. Paul Velico and Rebecca Sugar is. Does it seem like that's the trio that Rebecca seems, or that's the duo that Rebecca seems to write with the most? Yeah, I feel like that's the case. I wonder what the relationship there is. I wonder if, like, maybe they're the three that sort of like pitched the show. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> There's so much more. They've been getting progressively worse. The official synopsis: Stephen, Greg, and Garnet go on a road trip. If they had just changed it to like go on vacation, maybe Stephen gets some ice. Yeah, Stephen. Yeah, (laughs) you can just. Yeah, you. We can now just apply every like anything that happens. Stephen gets out of bed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) The episode begins with Pearl uh, warping back into the temple. Uh, Stephen asks uh, where Pearl has been, which she replies that she's been looking for Peridot for a few days straight. Um, Pearl says that she knows that everybody is disappointed, especially Garnet, in the what she did, but she's going to make it up to them by showing that she's trustworthy again. Garnet enters the house, and Pearl immediately tells her that she was looking for Peridot. Uh, she asks Garnet if she has any new ideas about finding Peridot, but she ignores her um, and begins to head to the warp pad. Uh pausing only when Pearl apologizes. Greg enters the house enthusiastically and asks if anyone wants to go on a road trip. Um, 
and then immediately is overcome by the wave of toxic vibes that are inside of this home. Uh, <laughs> Greg asks him if he came with him at a bad time, but Garnet tells him to continue. Uh, Greg wants to travel over to Keyst- the state of Keystone uh, because he bought some car wash brushes off the internet uh, for a very cheap price and wants to go pick them up. He plans to stay in Keystone overnight at a motel, uh, which gets Stephen excited for the road trip especially after mentioning that there will be a pool and free ice and, quote-unquote, the best diner in the world. Uh, Garnet decides to come <laughs> along with them, even after Greg says that the motel may not actually be as good as he's he's propping it up to be. Uh, Pearl attempts to tell Garnet that she will make sure that Amethyst knows that Garnet and Stephen are off at two Keystone, but is ignored once again. Greg, Stephen, and Garnet drive over to the motel uh, and arrive there for the night. Uh, they pull over uh, to their room, and Stephen gets very excited and jumps on the bed. Greg panics and checks the bed immediately for uh, bed bugs as an obviously uh, irritated Garnet enters the room. Uh, with everyone's luggage. Greg gets a message on his phone to go pick up the tunnel brushes and asks Garnet if he can watch, or if she can watch the uh, room while he's gone. Um, her left hand starts to spasm, but she manages to thumbs up. Greg leaves uh, to pick up the brushes. Uh, Stephen is bouncing on the bed and trying to encourage Garnet to do so and starts reading a brochure. Uh, Garnet begins to act strangely, speaking to herself uh, as though, you know, embodying the ruby and sapphire sides of herself. Um, the ruby side says that Garnet, uh, the ruby side of Garnet, sorry, says that she does not feel like forgiving Pearl with Sapphire saying that she must, uh, eventually they split, um, and begin just arguing immediately each other. Um, Ruby angrily tells Sapphire that Pearl tricked them into forming sardonics and questioning whether, uh, whether or not Sapphire feels used. Sapphire asserts that Ruby is taking the issue personally and then levitates onto the bed. Uh, Ruby yells that there's nothing more personal to them than fusion. Sapphire simply says that the sooner they forgive Pearl, the better it will be for everybody. Unwittingly, uh, Ruby begins to burn the carpet, uh, which Sapphire brings to her attention and she leaves the room in a huff. Uh, Stephen uh, is excited to uh, that the gems are there, uh, speaks with Sapphire for a little bit before he decides to head out to the pool. Uh, Stephen leaves the room to go swim and finds uh, Ruby angrily pacing back and forth. Uh, he asks her if she wants to get into the pool, uh, but Ruby begins to rant as she walks into the pool, uh, just pacing around and talking underneath the uh, underneath the water about how Sapphire doesn't seem to care Um uh, about what uh what you know what's going on and that uh, they always have to be the bigger gem but not this time um once ruby enters the pool the pool begins to heat up to the boiling point forcing steven out of the pool uh steven returns to the room to find it frozen the fuck over with uh sapphire sitting there and he's like you you chill dude and she's like yeah i'm good uh where ice crystals form behind her um he turns on the television, realizing that all the numbers are incorrect, and he asks Sapphire uh, to use her future vision to figure out what channel he wants to watch. She says 43, but there's not much on. Uh, the room begins to get colder, ice forming on Steven's face. Um, and Steven begins to ask a question, uh, with Sapphire cutting him off, saying that it doesn't matter. Uh, Steven, confused by this, she goes on. She's like, you want me to talk to Ruby, uh, but it it's not going to do any good. She can't stay mad at Pearl forever, and she can't stay mad at me forever, and she'll eventually calm down and realize that I'm right. Um, uh, Steven 
goes to the bathroom uh <laughs> and finds that the toilet bowl is frozen uh such is fate such yeah, is fate and he has to go outside <laughs> to pee in the bushes thank god greg returns to the motel uh with his tunnel brushes and some pizza uh he asks steven while he's out why he's outside in his bathing suit inquires where garnet is pokes his head in the door to find uh, sapphire who tells greg that he's not gonna like that at square uh, Greg realizes that Garnet split up and f- wants to know where the other one is. Uh, Ruby has boiled away the fucking pool at this point. Um, and Steven is upset, trying to get, uh, get, he's confused why Ruby and Sapphire won't just talk to each other. And Greg's like, well, listen, buddy, sometimes people can hurt each other's feelings, even, even if they don't mean to, um, and they'll eventually they'll calm down and they'll work it out Uh, in the meantime we're gonna eat this pizza it's a square pizza steven's like jesus fucking christ what is wrong with this shit fucking state um (laughs) and greg's like listen buddy as you get older you're gonna realize you're gonna come to accept all pizza (laughs) and uh they turn in for the night the next morning we're at the best diner in the world um they get their breakfasts it's they get sort of the uh, the diner special of like two eggs and some bacon in a smiley face pattern. Uh, Ruby and Sapphire are still just fucking pissed at each other um, with uh, Ruby just like squirming around in her seat, constantly shaking the table uh, to which uh, Sapphire admonishes her. Ruby says, I can't believe you can even, f- I, I'm surprised that you feel anything. And Sapphire's like, well, I don't have to feel, I can see. And this all culminates in Ruby smashing the table with the tiny little garnet fist. Uh, and them just like fucking going at each other there. Uh, Greg is desperately trying to salvage the situation till finally Stephen throws his plate down on dis- in disgust and walks outside. Ruby and Sapphire uh, rush outside to check on Stephen and Stephen... Uh, begins to kind of go uh, go off about what's going on. Uh, he was so excited when Garnet wanted to come. He thought that she wanted to have fun, but this whole uh, trip is no different from home. He complains that home has been awful, here has been awful, um, and they're const- like it's followed them, and it leads Stephen to to wonder if maybe he is the problem. Uh, Ruby tries to comfort him and says that it's their fault when Sapphire realizes that why they've made Steven feel so bad. Um, she has been too focused on the future when everything had already, where everything had already been solved and was ignoring the present. Uh, she begins to cry. Ruby begins to try and comfort her. Um, and they, they finally talk out their issues. Uh, Ruby, uh, immediately turns on the charm switch, uh, and starts, like now that they're no longer angry, they've switched into the only other mode that Ruby and Sapphire have, which is constantly flirting with each other. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and they begin to, they, they make up, uh, canoodling much to the chagrin of Steven who has to watch his two aunts kiss. Uh, uh, he falls back on the ground as these two make up, uh, reforming Garnet. Uh, everything's pretty, pretty sweet. Greg has paid off the damages to the booth and they head back home. Uh, we return home to see Pearl and Amethyst talking. Pearl sort of perks up, uh, asking how the trip went, uh, trying to talk to Garnet and Garnet goes, not now. Um, Pearl is audibly surprised that, uh, Garnet is speaking again to her in any shape or form. And Greg's like, that was a really good trip. Um, 
And Steven is like, hey, can we go on to another trip someday? And and, and Greg uh, is like, yeah, we can. Just not, you know, to that same diner. Uh, ending the, the uh, episode with a kind of a put upon oh boy star wipe the end. <laughs> so. Uh, let's talk about Pearl's bad way of dealing with trauma. Uh, and why Pearl can only see herself as either useful or not to people. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh. <sighs> yeah. I think, yeah, go she, on, sorry. Oh, I was just like, she's gonna run herself ragged and it's gonna be a lot of regrets. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's. Th- that is the per- that seems to be the pearl mo is just like run yourself to empty and then hit like rock bottom. I don't know what that is. I'm a shovel, like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's. I mean, I guess we'll we'll find a little bit of insight for this as the the episode or as the uh, the the series goes along, but it it's it's very interesting that. Pearl Pearl's sees herself worth to people, especially when she's at her like lowest moments as like useful or not useful. Uh as though like she's only she's defined by by her relationship to others. And it's it's real rough. Uh just real rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh and Garnet uh, being just absolutely fucking stone cold is not helping this situation in the least. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Greg, <laughs> I love how Greg Media is like, oh, these are, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to leave. <laughs> just like a wave of toxic vibes hitting Greg. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to bounce is what I'm going to do, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, who can blame him? It's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do enjoy when Steven and Greg get to be cute. It's true. Like, it's it's always nice to see Steven and Greg having positive interactions. Um, it's nice to see Greg being a good dad. Continues, continues also, to reign as the best dad in animation. Yep. Although, like, seriously, dude, haven't you ever bought things off of Craigslist before? <laughs> I, I wrote in my uh, I wrote in my notes here are car wash owners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, if I'm not back in an hour, call the police. <laughs> uh, <laughs> At least he remembers to tell people where he's yeah, going. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Do not follow internet people to a secondary location. <laughs> uh, do you like the cat fingers callback, August? I missed the cat fingers callback. Oh, Steven says, I don't like the, uh, those brushes. They feel weird on your fur. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Fridge horror. Uh, <laughs> oh, my goodness. We'd almost forgotten about cat fingers, but no, they will never let us forget about cat fingers. Ah, oh, jeez. 
Um, yeah. Uh, my main note here is, man, Sapphire is fucking insufferable. Yeah, she is. Uh, <laughs> she's awful. She's a fucking asshole this whole episode. That's the thing. Okay, so. Yeah. I guess we'll get into the meat of it, because there's really the fight between Ruby and Sapphire is the meat of this episode. I do love the bed bug joke. I like that they kept their they, they, they put that in there. Um, yes. So very realistic. <laughs> I, I like that we can have government subsidized fucking uh, solar for our wind farms in Steven Universe, but bed bugs still an issue at motels. Uh these two are being pieces of shit to each other, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, I also like the fact that they they set up that, like, neither one of them is being exactly right. Uh, that, like, Ruby is understandably upset, right? But the thing yeah. that's really fueling that they're... These two are no longer upset at Pearl. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're upset at each other because they're talking past each other. Like, you know, they, you know, they, I mean, they say it at the end. Sapphire was so focused on the future that she didn't realize what she was doing to hurt Ruby's feelings and like invalidating Ruby's feelings uh, the whole time. And, you know, Ruby just didn't know how to actually talk to her outside of yelling. Yeah, just wanting to be mad so, and wanting to rage, which, you know, is a thing but you have to tamp down um yeah well i mean you can be angry it's just you know you've got to sit with your anger for a little bit and then let it go yeah, you can't just hold like, on to it forever yeah exactly um but like the more sapphire talked about how she had to do it the more it egged ruby on because ruby's not wanting to you know not wanting to follow whatever sapphire's laid out for her against her will Right, exactly. Just, you know, Sapphire's future vision coming in to to be a butt. Mm -hmm. the, the thing with Sapphire that I really thought about was the general, especially these days, the general consensus of everything's going to be okay that people use as, and like not a badly intentioned attempt to get people to like not go fall into being doomers, but... The knowledge that everything is going to be okay in the future doesn't detract from the fact that things are bad now, and that's especially resonant with me at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do like that they, they take the, the time in the episode to show you that, like, they're, they're, like, they're not trying to play off Sapphire as in the right either, because she's the one acting calmly. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh... I, I I enjoy that touch of being like, yeah, this these are both unhealthy ways of dealing with this this sort of situation. Yeah. Uh the Sapphire <laughs> Sapphire being a creepy weirdo the whole time is also very fun. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Such is fate. <laughs> And I did appreciate that they did show that Sapphire is genuinely angry at Pearl. Right. Uh, that she is, in fact, she is hurt by this situation. She's just trying to tamp it down. Yeah. But, you know, like Elsa, it's still coming out and freezing the yeah. room. 
Mm-hmm. Disney ripping off Steven Universe confirmed. Yep. <laughs> um. Just, I don't know. I just love the fight between these two. That it just it feels like a, like it feels like a real couple fight. It does. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we like we've only seen Ruby and Sapphire for like probably total 10 minutes before this moment. Um, not even that. We probably didn't even have that because like the season one finale was a regular length episode, right? Yes. I think so. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And so we've probably seen them maybe total three or four minutes uh, and just like they come out, of, they, they they defuse Garnet, and immediately like their chemistry is just fucking great together. <laughs> like you <laughs> believe that these two spend a lot of time to each like time together. This feels like a real couple. Uh, not in their best light, but still feels like a real couple to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Also, uh, these the these two their only two modes of being either just like uh, arguing about so, like either they've got three modes <laughs> on the same page <laughs> arguing about something or uh, just like adorable cheese balls toward each other because <laughs> uh, the the end mm-hmm. is just uh, the cutest goddamn thing in the whole fucking world. <laughs> it's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really gay and I don't understand how people would miss the fact that it's really gay I guess they're just gals being pals I don't know well I mean if you throw if you slap a mustache on Ruby uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh I also like that Steven continues to be Steven just fucking talk to each other universe in this episode He read that one book and he knows it now. I don't know why anyone else hasn't read the book. (laughs) How to talk to people. (laughs) Step one. (laughs) Um The I also love the just like crushingly awkward breakfast scene. Yeah. Breaks, like uh i've been there with like a pair of people fighting and you're just like oh, okay you guys just we're not gonna okay we're just gonna do this here well i'm just gonna be quiet eat my eat my food uh it's either that or uh check please yeah, exactly. like, oh i guess we're leaving we're going uh uh amethyst and pearl are confiding each other uh at the end that was very nice to see yeah they both get it i feel like i don't feel like amethyst is actually angry with pearl i mean amethyst kind of knows where pearl is coming Mm -hmm. from so like you know it makes sense that she's not like 100 angry with pearl um i do like garnet at the end just being like not Mm -hmm. now Instead of just completely shutting Pearl out, it's just like, hey, I can't do this right now, maybe later. Yeah. Which is, it's nice. It's a healthy way to say that you're still angry at somebody and ask for space. Mm. 
resolving conflicts. Yeah. That's basically this show. Uh, Alrighty. All right. Do we have anything else to say about Keystone Motel? Um, I don't have anything else in my notes. Um, I... So the thing I remember most about this episode, I think actually happened a, while, a little bit after this episode. Um, apparently the home or not Homestuck fandom. I was thinking of bad fandoms. Apparently the Steven Universe fandom <laughs> got into some shit because someone found an actual Keystone Motel and started review bombing them because like and saying they had square pizzas. Good. What the fuck? Uh, fandoms were a mistake. I hate fandoms. Yep. <laughs> All fandoms, fandoms are bad, are actually. Yeah, every fan. Yeah. I will, like, I've gone on record a number of times being like, the Steven Universe fandom is just fucking not great most of the time. Uh, sorry, what were you saying, Lindsay? Oh, I'm just, you know, my usual, oh god, fandoms, yeah. why? Why can't people just like things and not- The internet was the worst thing that happened to fandoms. The internet was a mistake. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Fandom's always been like this, I think. That's true. Oh, yeah. It's just now it's more easily spottable. Yeah. Yeah. It spills over into other people's stuff. So people outside of the fandom are like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Let me tell you about Homestuck. (laughs) (laughs) We we will now officially never do an episode without referencing Homestuck. There, there, there are a lot. There is probably more good homesick fans than bad homesick fans, but the bad homesick fans don't know the limits, and th- so they just like taint everything. Yeah, it's that fandom was a lot, um, and yeah, like the the bad fans were just like way out there. I remember hearing stories of people trying to cosplay, uh, cosplay trolls by emptying a bunch of sharpie ink into a bathtub in a hotel and like sitting i have a video to send you about that yeah that i don't know if that actually happened in real life but it became such a known urban legend that Uh so i will i will also go on record that the best homestuck fans in my opinion were the fandom leaders in edmonton uh because when i went to a convention there they were very adamant like any troll cosplayer they came across like have you sealed your makeup okay we have sealant with us we're gonna seal your makeup right now the whole panel mm-hmm. like they said if you can seal your makeup come to and just apply your makeup in our room and we will seal it so we we are not getting banned by the convention and we're definitely not getting banned by denny's yeah that's that's really good <laughs> we're not getting banned by denny's well, because well, no, I get it. I get it. I get where the, the logic comes from. But it's like we are th- we are going to stay in the good graces of this hotel and our Lord and Savior Denny's. <laughs> exactly. Well, where else are you going to go after holding a forty-person cosplay in character ask RP panel? You go to Denny's. You call ahead like a month in advance and book off one wing of the Denny's so that when you go in, you say we're with the Homestuck group, and they say, "Okay, go in that corner." <laughs> Yeah, and they're going to be a lot more patient with you than the Red Robins down the street. So there. Oh yeah. yes. Or which which episode? We wandered into a restaurant that was technically being renovated, but they never locked the door. So we walked in, and there was like no one there. I don't think I was there for that one. We went to the bad Italian restaurant. Also, like that's true. Edmonton has the West Edmonton Mall, and you know that those restaurants would have kicked us out. 
so they wouldn't even have let the homestead no, they would just been get out oh absolutely yeah. you cannot come to this fucking you you cannot come into this uh cheesecake factory get the fuck out <laughs> I mean, really, any mall, you're uh, testing your luck if you go in and cosplay, although I guess it depends on the cosplay. Um, one time, our friend Duncan was in a mall after, like, hey, it wasn't after hours, but, like, this was um, a different convention when me and Duncan had gone to Icon in Winnipeg, and they had a mall that, like, all the shops would close at a normal closing time, but the mall stayed open late because you could access the mall through the hotel, and then you could go through the mall to get to the theater. And we were like, we're going to go see Pacific Rim at 11 p.m. <laughs> and But he just decided, you know what, I'm going to keep the Slenderman cosplay on this time. And we got halfway through before a security guard came up and said, hey, you're probably not doing anything wrong, but you really can't be going through here dressed as Slenderman, so at least take off the mask. Yeah, please take off the mask. That <laughs> seems like a fair, that seems like an okay suggestion. Yeah. Hey, y'all, I'm fading yeah, fast. I was, was going to go ahead and get us pulled out. Um, no, Sorry. no, worries. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. It's my own damn fault for getting the vax yesterday, but. Oh, the, the audacity of personal health and protection. Yeah. All right. So next time we're going to be watching episodes 65, 66, and 67, Onion Friend, Historical Friction, and Friendship. I'll be ending this Stephen Balm. Um... Uh, should be a good time. We actually only have three more episodes left in this season. August and I need to suss out what we're going to do between season two and three. Uh, <laughs> cause this has snuck up on us rather quickly. Um, so, uh, Tanner, Lindsay, tell us about all the things that you do. Lindsay, do you want to do the things that you're involved with first? <laughs> well, I am on not if I reboot you first, you can follow us. On Twitter at n i i r y f pod yeah. uh, pod <laughs> yeah I've got that one um, and I am also the uh, player and voice of Bell from Pokemon Adventures in the Millennium. Hell and, yeah! And I think that's most of what I do. I think that's that's everything you've do uh, podcast wise. Yep. Um, if you follow the city of Regina uh, Twitter feed, you can sometimes see some of the pictures I source for them for their historical stuff. <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as for me, I as I mentioned before, I'm on Twitter at Sparky Upstart. I am also on Not If I Beat You First, N-I-I-R-Y-F pod. Um, it's pronounced Nierif. <laughs> and I am the game master for Pokemon Adventures in the Millennium, which is a Pokemon tabletop actual play that is me and Lindsay and Lindsay's brother Ryan and our friend Duncan. And it's not your dad's Pokemon podcast, by which I mean we cuss a lot and there is some gore. It's not grimdark, but it's also not necessarily for kids. What system are you guys um, using? Yeah. This is honestly um, the first time I've heard about this, and I don't know how. <laughs> the podcasts are weird. The, the podosphere is very wide, and sometimes you will see someone and you won't know what they're connected to. <laughs> like, I was listening to a podcast for a good year, and it, it was like last week that I found out that the two of the people involved with that were also involved in a Totally Spies podcast that I listened to uh, like two years ago. Wow. <laughs> Small world. 
Uh, but the other thing that I, Tanner, do with my friend Christina is we host a Glee recap podcast called Loser Like Me, which can be on Twitter at Loser Like Me Pod, where we have, by the time this comes out, yeah, we would have just started season two, uh, which is a great jumping on point because it's when they decide, you know what, we don't need logic. We're just going to do whatever the fuck we want. That's true. <laughs> and that they were able to coast on that for a little while. Yeah. Some say that the um, weirdness makes it the greatest season. Um, we're still waiting for the <laughs> evidence of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, you can find, like, you've listened to this show long enough. You can find me in August on all of our fucking bullshit. Um, if you're listening to this, tomorrow is the last episode of my, uh, of the, um, uh, live stream that I've been hosting for Off the Table uh, should be a good time. Uh, it's Eldritch Thriller. Come see if I can land this boat. Uh, two hours. Let me tell you guys, two hours is not a lot of time to run a Blades in the Dark game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a challenge. <laughs> that is, I'm speed running Blades in the Dark for real. Uh, so that's good. Um, this is also is the. No, this is not. This is going to come out after the Shakespeare thing, right? That's this weekend. The Shakespeare thing's on the twenty third. Yeah, so this is going to come out after that. Um. Okay, cool. No, never mind about that. I'll cut that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, find us on Twitter. Uh, oh, we forgot to do. We didn't really have any. We forgot to do the thing. Oh well, it's fine. I don't care. Um. Yeah, we didn't really have any questions yeah, or anything. So. Uh, if you ever want to ask questions, we usually take questions from the audience, but I forgot again, like usual. Uh, <laughs> um, you can join our Discord. Uh, we have a very vibrant Discord community. Uh, you come and talk about not just Steven Universe, but all the other things that we do, as well as play video games, watch wrestling, uh, scream into the void. We've got it all. Uh, link is in the description of the podcast below. Uh and that is it. Uh, Tanner and Lindsay, do you guys want to see us out? All right, then. Be like Cookie Cat. Leave your family behind. Peace. Peace.